right. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a fabulous show for you tonight. But first, we are going to hit one of the headlines that we've been hearing about all week. A lawsuit filed by none other than President Donald Trump. And who is he suing? Well, it's probably not a surprise. He is suing three of the country's biggest tech companies. And we know about this because he's been talking about this probably, uh, I would say nonstop, but remember we haven't heard much from him lately, but when he does speak, he really is disappointed at not being able to have the usual megaphone with which he's communicated to the American people all throughout his presidency. Now, his lawsuit states that he and other conservatives were wrongfully censored. However, Larry and I are going to talk a little bit about the constitutionality of a suit like this and whether or not it's going to succeed. Okay, so who's he suing? Well, if I had to ask you to guess, you'd probably guess all three. Facebook, Twitter, and Google's YouTube, along with some other individuals. Now, when you look at the basis for a lawsuit like this, obviously he would like his accounts to be reinstated. I mean, who can blame him for that? But also he has been talking a lot about whether or not a private company can censor. Now we know that private companies have rules and that they are allowed to maintain their platforms, but it's more than that. And when you look at the the rules that bind private companies that do make these decisions, if they think somebody fell out of line with their their uh, terms and conditions, they have to do it in good faith. Uh, we talk a lot about Section 230 of that 1996 Communications Decency Act, and we know that social media platforms are allowed to moderate their services by removing posts that are offensive, but they also have to act in good faith. So I know everybody is, is presuming and stating this lawsuit is going nowhere, but Larry, is that good faith exception I mean, does he have a leg to stand on if that's going to be one of the bases for his argument? I think totally. And it's also interesting, Wendy, that not only is he suing the companies, but he's suing the head of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and he's suing the head of Google, Sundar Pichai, and also the head of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, which makes it really interesting. But what uh, is fascinating to me, uh, Alan Dershowitz, he's a Harvard law professor emeritus, uh, weighed in on this too. And he said that this resembles the case of Marsh v. Alabama, where a company town that was owned totally by a company forbade free speech. And the Supreme Court way back then said that although it's that town, that city is owned by a company, it has opened its property up for the public in general. And therefore it is subject to First Amendment protections and 14th Amendment protections. I thought that was fascinating. 
It is. Uh, he would need to make his lawsuit more in line with the facts and the rationale of that case than it looks like it is now. That's not to say that, you know, arguments won't evolve uh, as the as the months progress. Um, and of course, you know, Donald Trump's a smart man and he's no he's no stranger to litigation on both sides. So you have to believe that he probably also considered the I don't want to say shock value, but let's just say the attention that'll be garnered by a suit like this. I mean, this is going to get him back into the spotlight. And he also wants his accounts to be reinstated. Of course, we, we probably don't blame him for that. I mean, everybody enjoys using social media. Uh, one other thing, you mentioned Mark Zuckerberg. He is uh, asking that, in addition to saying that Facebook and Zuckerberg um, acted unconstitutionally, he also is basically saying that Section 230 is unconstitutional. And we've been down this road before. I mean, whether or not he has an argument that he was unjustifiably kicked off the platforms, is it really time to re-argue the constitutionality of Section 230? Or is that, again, just for attention? What do you think? Yeah, I think 230 needs to be looked at, revisited, and uh, because it basically exempts these big high-tech social media companies from the content uh, published by third parties. And yet, so they're exempted from liability if somebody says something, but yet they're using their um, uh, criteria to kick people off. They say, you know, I don't really like that content. And even though we couldn't be sued by somebody else for the content you're posting, we're, we we think you violated our rules and you're going to be eliminated. And so it's it's too much of a protection for the high-tech people. They need to be treated like publishers. They're acting like publishers. They're doing editorial work. So let's treat them like publishers and do away with Section 230. That's my view. <laughs> That's, well, it's too bad that you're not sitting in judgment on this case, Larry, because I think uh, former President Trump would probably have a much easier case winning this suit than, uh, than I think he does right now. But speaking of President Trump, Larry, I hear you also have some some news on that front. All right. Yeah, this is a commentary section. Um, and so I am exempting you, Wendy, and uh, the station for, for this. These are my views only. And you don't even know totally what I'm going to say, I don't think, Wendy, so you're exempt. But, uh, okay, I'll say first you're off. On your own. So good news, bad news. Uh, first off, uh, they, they're taking the fence down as of yesterday, Friday. They're beginning to remove that fence around the Capitol building. That's good news. And good news in my opinion, Trump won. And uh, there's a lot of data to support that. And there, after these audits come out, hold on, folks, there's gonna, you're going to see a lot. Okay, my second point, Biden is not in charge of our government. That's my opinion. Nor is Kamala Harris, which brings up the question, who's really running the country? Is it Obama? Okay, Obama lives with his wife just a few blocks from the White House in a high-end neighborhood called Calorama. And he lives there with his former chief of staff, Valerie Jarrett, and her husband. Well, in his house, I understand from high-ranking people that he has a skiff in there. And that is a sensitive, compartmented information facility in his home, which you can't listen in on. It's something you have in, in very sensitive, uh, top-secret type areas. Why does he have that? Also, President uh, excuse me, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said recently that the Biden team is in regular contact with the Obama team. What is he talking about? The Obama bowling team? What's that ex-president doing with a team? 
It, it raises some questions in my mind. And in 2020, Obama indicated he would love to have a third term as president using a stand-in. Speaking at Stephen Colbert's Late Show, he said, if I could make an arrangement where I had a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement, in my sweats, looking through the stuff, then I could deliver the lines, somebody else would be doing all the talking, I'd be fine with that. So it looks like possibly Biden could be his front man, again, my opinion. But does does Biden's statement sound like President Obama? Does he speak enough? I mean, Biden has a unique speaking style. He has these colloquialisms, many of them outdated, that he would be the first to admit. Uh, Does that sound like President Obama or does President Obama mean that the policies, procedures and plans are going to be a sort of remote controlled, if you will. I, I agree 100% with what you just said, Wendy. And basically, uh, in a recent uh, New York Times interview with Ezra Klein, uh, Mr. Obama said that 90% of, of the folks in his administration are now working for Biden. So essentially, in my opinion, we're looking at a third term of President Obama. And again, totally my opinion. Uh, moving on to another uh, area quickly, critical race theory. It keeps on coming up. And I'm sorry, folks, we have to talk about it because it's still in the news every day. And in my opinion, this is my opinion again, critical race theory is, is t- totally garbage. It's being pushed. And anybody pushing that, in my opinion, is a bigot. And my, to my black brothers and sisters out there who I love, The people behind CRT want to replace the statue of our beloved Martin Luther King Jr. with the bust of a white man, Karl Marx, the founder and architect of communism. You know, the ideology whose end game is to enslave us all with total government in every aspect of our lives, cradle to grave. And if these tyrants and population control freaks get their way, the trip to the grave may not be voluntary and it may come sooner than we would like. And the the third point is the forced jab. What is up with the forced jab where they're going? uh, The most frightening thing I think I heard this week is they're planning to go door to door to see if you've been vaccinated. What do you think about that, Wendy? Well, let's think think about how that would work. Now, when I was growing up, we had people selling things door to door. And maybe you too. I mean, wait a minute, Larry. I know you too. You remember this. They were selling magazines and Girl Scout cookies. And there may have been some door-to-door Bible salespeople, although I really don't remember that. That's just more of a stereotype. But there certainly was nobody going door-to-door with a syringe in their hand. Yes, that <laughs> is at least something that is being discussed. Um, Larry, I'm not quite sure how this would work. And I don't just mean for people that live in condo complexes or people that live in nice residential neighborhoods that's gated. I mean, can you imagine somebody in president talk about President Obama in his neighborhood going door to door trying to shoot people up with a with a, a jab of uh, vaccine if they don't voluntarily want it. You know, one one statistic I did read Larry over the last couple of days is the percentage of people that would be amenable or that were amenable to this idea that well we're going to vac- bring the vaccine to you and it was like some infinitesimal way less than 1%. So you have to wonder whether or not that is something that's being offered should people be interested in availing themselves of a vaccine that they didn't proactively seek out? Or is it something that is, uh, I guess, seen as being forced upon the public? Because if it's the latter, there's going to be a lot of resistance. If for no other reason, then people don't be, don't like being told what to do. Exactly. And I appreciate their care for us, but this a disease is not as serious as something like Ebola. So why this incredible push 
to me, all my alarm bells are going off, Wendy. That's all I can say. So be careful, folks. Be strong. And use your discernment and your common sense in this. That's exactly right. Knowledge is power, as we say. And that's exactly what we need to do when it comes to knowing about the vaccines. So stick with us. We are going to take a short commercial break. For the second half, you're going to be introduced to a very important guest you do not want to miss. Founder and chairman of Liberty Council, one of the nation's top Christian legal advocacy organizations. So stick with us. You're listening to Live with Dr. Wendy. We will be right back. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Okay, we have a fantastic guest for you this second half. Uh, Somebody who is very accomplished and also somewhat infamous in his own right. Larry, who do we have on the line? Sure, Wendy. Today we have with us Matthew Staver, senior pastor, founder and chairman of Liberty Council, a 501c3 organization, along with his wife, Anita Staver, both of whom are attorneys, He leads a talented and dedicated group of lawyers and staff that have represented many notable clients, including Focus on the Family, Child Evangelism Fellowship, and the Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministry. Just They just won a huge victory for religious freedom right here in the state of California in May of this year. So we'll be talking about a little bit more about that later. But thanks for coming on the program, Matt. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So, Matt, along with being a very successful constitutional law attorney, I know you're also a pastor. And when I went to seminary, I was very impressed that I had taken a year of Hebrew and a year of Greek only to read your resume. You read Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic and Syriac. That is unbelievable. How in the world did you manage to to master so many languages? Well, you know, I when I was I started picking up. I had three years of Greek in college and two years of Hebrew in college. And then when I went to seminary, I had, between college and seminary, I taught myself Aramaic. And then oh. in seminary, I picked up Syriac from a very well-known um, professor that was a person who had done a lot of archaeological digs in Israel. Uh, she is past now, but she was a one of the language teachers. And uh, I I learned that because that was the early translation of the New Testament after Greek. Of course, that was the New Testament. So, you know, over the years, I got a little rusty on it, but over the last two years, I have made a specific intent to read every day in the languages. And so I read every day in the languages, uh, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. And now my proficiency is actually much better than it was even in college and seminary. Wow. Wow. And Matt, I heard in May of this year, a California district court entered an order approving Liberty Council's settlement of a lawsuit brought on behalf of Harvest Rock Church 
and Harvest International Ministry against California Governor Gavin Newsom. And it's the first statewide permanent injunction in the country against COVID restrictions on churches and places of worship. Could you tell us a little bit about that settlement and court order? Sure. This is just one of the many cases that we have involved uh, regarding these COVID restrictions that literally restricted houses of worship all over the country. California was the worst in the nation. Had a no worship order from Governor Gavin Newsom from March of 2020 until February 5 of 2021, except for about 100 days where you could have no no more, or less than 100 days. It was no more than 100 people for about 60 days. And then wow. it went back to no worship again. And the consequences was a criminal offense for each time you violated this no worship. I'm talking about nobody in a sanctuary, no matter how large it is, not even one or two people. And that also extended to private homes as well. And that was a penalty of up to a year in prison and a daily fine of $1,000 or more. So we litigated that in California around the country, but this particular case went to the Supreme Court twice. We won December 20 or December 3, 2020, but the lower court just reinstated its terrible bad order again. We went back to the Supreme Court again on February 5, won again on the total worship ban, but there were still other restrictions in place, so we continued to litigate at the Court of Appeals, and now we got the first permanent statewide injunction in the country. And so this is permanent. It's not temporary. It lasts in perpetuity. It's statewide, so it applies to every house of worship in California. And it goes beyond COVID. So never again in California will we ever go through this, whether it's COVID or anything else, where they discriminate against churches and places of worship. They will never be able to do it because this is a continuing injunction that the court will monitor into the future. It applies to every state entity, whatever future governors California has. And this is uh, the first of its kind in the country. So we have filed this in other states around the country where we're still litigating, including at the United States Supreme Court, where we just actually will be filing another brief in about a week or so from from today. Uh, but as a result of this, the court has also required California to pay $1.35 million. And in addition to that, uh, two other churches, because of the injunction we got, now they have been uh, required to pay $2.2 million collectively wow. between two churches. So this is having a domino effect across California and, and frankly, across the country. Great job, Matt. Oh, thank you for doing that. Oh, my yeah. goodness. You know, in addition to that front, Matt, I know you've spoken a lot about the dangers involved in these so-called vaccine passports. We've been talking about yeah. that on the show. And in fact, in the first half, we were also talking about uh, President Biden's plan. I don't know if it's really a plan or a proposal or they're just sort of thinking out loud of uh, going door to door to convince people to get their vaccines. And I'm assuming they'll be, you know, syringe in hand door to door. They'll be ready to go should somebody be willing to roll up their sleeve. In your opinion, is this some sort of uh, a viable plan or is it just a government overreach? Well, it's a government overreach, but I believe he will uh, try to execute it. I, he better not uh, send somebody to my door. They're not going to like what they hear, but I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> are going to just simply say, I'm not going to answer the door. Or if they do, you know, tell them to get off your property that they're trespassing because they're going to try to coerce you. They're going to try to pressure you. Look, in How would they do months, that? What would they be allowed to say? What, what would they I mean, well, how would this really work? I'm sure they'll start off like uh, most socialists do. And, and we've seen this, for example, in 
the context of the church litigation. They try to just be very friendly with you. And then when they realize they're not making any headway, they try to threaten you. And that's kind of the MO that we see with this kind of heavy-handed, bullying type of government tactic. And I anticipate that's what it'll be like. What I'm concerned about is that there are many people that may be vulnerable to that kind of pressure when they have a federal government employee agent come up to their door and try to uh, give them a slanted view. You know, the fact is, what they won't tell them is that in the first six months of 2021, in just six months, we've had more reported deaths from the COVID shots than we have in the 31 years of all the vaccines combined. Literally, the deaths are more in six months than in the past 31 years from all the reported deaths of the vaccines. And this is just the COVID shot uh, injuries. There's 411,000 plus adverse reactions that have been recorded. And by the next 24 hours, that will jump by about 30 to 40,000 because it's updated every Friday and early Saturday morning. And it's jumping about 30 to 40,000 a week. Mm. And the CDC says that that number represents less than 1%. So you do the math, take the 411,000, multiply it times 99. That's, over, that's around 41 million adverse reactions. Take the 7,000 uh, plus uh, 7,000 deaths that we have or so multiply that by say 99 or say 100 and you're looking at hundreds of thousands of of deaths and serious injuries uh, and yet they pretend that these people don't even exist wow can you find that data in that so-called vars database uh, by the cdc is that where one would look for that yeah, we have actually a, a website that contains the, the VAERS um, database, and it is lcaction.org slash vaccine, or lc.org slash vaccine, either one, lc.org slash vaccine. And under adverse reactions, you're going to see uh, data chart, uh, VAERS data chart. Click okay. on that, and you can follow all of these. There's all kinds of information you can get on that. And that's updated every Friday night. So by Saturday morning, uh, those numbers will be higher than what you see if you were to go there right now. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Matt, Benjamin Franklin once said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. From COVID discriminatory restrictions on worship to censorship of speech on social media to mainstream news media cover-ups and propaganda to leftist indoctrination of our children and young adults in schools and universities, are we in danger of losing our republic, and what can we do to fight back? You know, we are in danger of losing our republic. Uh, There's more serious threats right now to our faith, our freedom, our freedom of speech, free exercise of religion, than at any time that I can ever remember. Uh, And that's not an exaggeration. For example, you've got bills that are being pushed in Washington, D.C., called the so-called Equality Act, H.R. 5. And that literally would revoke the 1993 Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act and push the LGBTQ agenda into every sphere of everyone's life, including on churches and religious schools and so much more. What we can do, you know, look, they have a couple of agendas in Washington, D.C. that they've really been trying to push as their top priority. One is an election bill that would literally decimate future elections. The other is this H.R. 5. We've been able to stop them for seven months, and they're very frustrated, the people that want to push this. And how do we stop them? We never give up. Yes. We never give up. 
we have to pray, but we have to never, ever, ever give up. You know, if you're a boxer in a ring and, and you get a few uh, hard punches, you don't give up. You don't just simply fall down and, and walk away if you want to win. This, These are issues of such critical importance to the survival of our country, our freedom, and so much more that if we get weary or we give up, then we lose by default. And and that has always been the tactic of anybody who wants to overcome an adversary. So we can never give up. And by the way, you know, the history of our faith from the Genesis to Revelation really shows that there may be impossible times in history, whether it's the Exodus, whether it's Daniel in the lion's den, or the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace, or you name it, that just seems impossible. Esther, you know, in Persia, it was just impossible. And yet God intervened when people prayed, and they acted. And God Amen. did something Matt, we're gonna, And we, we read those stories. Matt, we're going to have to leave it there, and I think that's a great place that's a great place for me to give a big amen to what you just said. Thank we you, do have a lot of great revelation in the Bible. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, Matt. And thank you to our listeners. Have a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 